0: Welcome back to the Montgomery Company's Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery, and today I get to interview a new friend, a man that I really have come to respect and admire, albeit from afar, today up close, Brad Lominick. Brad is a leadership consultant, speaker, founder of Blink, the author of The Catalyst Leader and H3 Leadership. He writes about leadership, the next generation, creativity, innovation, social media, teamwork, and personal growth. Brad has had the privilege of interviewing Malcolm Gladwell, Seth Godin, Francis Chan, Tony Dungy, Andy Stanley, Rick Warren, Marcus Buckingham, Dave Ramsey, Bill Hybels, and others, the list goes on and on and on, through the Catalyst podcast, which is free. Go check it out. Uh, Today, Brad is creating significant change in the lives of people all around the globe. He is a man of strong faith, a lover of people, and a leader of leaders. Brad, I've waited for this interview for a while. I've studied you from afar, and it is a true honor to share a conversation with you today. Thank you for making the time.
1: I love it, man. Thanks for having me. i that you you gave everybody too much info there at the beginning. I need to I need to tear that bio down. That's too much. Well, you've you've done
0: too much. You've accomplished too much. If you scale it <laughs> right, back, then yeah. I can scale back the bio. So um, hey, listen, we, we got connected through David Nurse, and we have some mutual friends yes. in common. Um, David speaks so highly of you, and I, I've, again, studied you from afar, so I've I've witnessed the way that you impact and lead others, and you, you truly have a passion for leading leaders. And um, I want to lean into this topic of leadership today. So, where I want to start, if it's okay with you, is I'd like to just start on what leadership means to you. What is your definition of leadership?
1: Well, I'll, 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 yield to uh, the real sage, John Maxwell, right? Because he says leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. I, I definitely subscribe to that. Um, I would say it's, you know, it's, it is, I've heard people say it this way. Like it's the art of, of getting people um, to do the things that they don't even know they want to do in order to move the ball forward. So you you have to you have to have influence over something or someone in order to to be leading them. Uh but I still would go back to it's just it really is influence. It's not power, it's not hierarchy, um, it's not positional authority, it's not mm. it's not um a a description of a job, it's not, are you my boss? I mean, those those can be true about leadership, but you know, this this is why leading up is so important. It's why today more than ever. You know the intern who's twenty three, who who has the ability to 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 actually um, push influence up the ladder, arguably could be the most influential person in the organization, and that's that's a new reality that I think is really exciting, and you know a lot of people are trying to navigate. Well, what does that mean, especially in in industries where where hierarchy has always been sort of the flow. Uh, but i think we're I think we're starting to now see like that that's that the death of hierarchy is a good thing uh because it 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 levels the playing field
0: it's interesting how in so many organizations, the person that has positional power does not always have the personal power, and the person with personal yeah. power sometimes doesn't have the positional power right but I think you can lead from anywhere when you have personal power, which is really influence. You can lead from anywhere. And I love what you say about leading up. You spend time talking about what it means to lead up. We're going to get to that here shortly. Um, Before we go there though, I I want to know, you know, obviously you've spent time with John Maxwell and for the listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with your story, you actually worked alongside Maxwell for several years. And so you got to observe John and you got to learn from John. You got to witness the, the ticks and all the quirks and the things that he did that allowed him to have the type of impact that he has today. So, I would love for you just to maybe take us behind the scenes. You know, when you think about John Maxwell, what are the two or three things that John did or does that have made him the leader that he is today?
1: Yeah. I did spend a few years working for John and um, you know, you, 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 you never know with heroes or with people who you look up to if, if the closer you get, the more real they will become, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. your heroes, the closer you get, the more you go, Oh man. That's disappointing. And the closer I got to John, every single layer that, you know, you sort of peel the onion back of John, there was just more of the real thing uh, closer you got to the core. And I'll give you three things that I think of when I think of John. One is he's an empowerer. He, he's a delegator. Like he's, he's a true releaser. And the reason I know this is because I was in my 20s and I was a knucklehead and he gave me, but not just me, he gave a bunch of us the opportunity to, to start something called Catalyst at that time in the early 2000s. And we didn't know what we were doing, you know, and, but he, he just, he's always been that way where he would find somebody who he saw some potential in and then say, mm-hmm. okay, here you go, take it and run with it. And you're like, John, I don't even know how to do this. And he would just walk away, you know, I mean, figuratively. Um, So I love that, that he's an empower. He truly delegates, he, he hands things off. Um, And I think that's true about really good leaders. Um, He's also a celebrator Mm. and this is true. Like he celebrates, he, he, he encourages and he actually finds value in people and he calls it out, but he also Mm. just likes to celebrate. Like when we would do book tours or we would hit milestones, you know, John was sort of the first one on the fun, on the fun train. And uh, I mean, he, he loves restaurants in all these cities across America. We would do a book tour and we would hit like the best, you know, the best <laughs> barbecue in St. Louis. Right. And it was, it might've been a little bit off the beaten path of getting back to the airport, you know, to get to the next location. But his mindset was let's enjoy the journey. Let's actually mm. like find moments to celebrate. Um, and then the, the third thing is John is, is insatiably curious. He is, he is a learner at his core. Like he never arrives. And again, I would watch, you know, him speak and then he would go sit in the front row and he would listen to the next speaker who might actually just be doing John's content (laughs) right from another book. And John's taking notes, you know, he's taking (laughs) notes and he's like, Oh, that's great, man. That's good stuff. And it's like, John, that's your stuff. Um, (laughs) but on a plane, you know, everybody else is playing candy crush or they're like reading magazines, sleeping. John's got the yellow pad out, man. He's got the three-color pen or the four-color pen, and he's got the <laughs> yellow pad and he is going to town. He's got the he's got his glasses, you know, kind of down like his reading glasses. But that mindset that I never arrive, I can always get better. I may be the grand poobah, but I still have more to learn and that I I just I'm I'm constantly going to be somebody who is always like, who is always um, soaking things up from others compared to where he could hang out, which is I'm the expert mm. and you guys should all be listening to me. You know, like it's hard to get, a, it's hard to get a question in with John because he's asking you questions. So those three things for me stand out. There's many more, but I'll stop there with those.
0: I love that, man. Well, and I think your leadership journey started with, your ability to to follow. I think, Brad, if if I look at your journey, I look at the way that you followed others and learned from others. You've opened yourself up to others and kept an open mind. And I think that's really what you're talking about with Maxwell. The point is, it never stops, right? And one of the quotes that you use um, that I love, it's one of my favorite quotes too, John Wooden owns the rights to it, right? He said, it's what you learn after you know it all that counts. And I think you were a curious person in the beginning. I think you're a curious person today. And I think it's what's allowed you to lead and have influence. And it's the same thing for, for Maxwell. So um, yeah. it's a good transition, man, to H3, uh, H3 leadership. You wrote this book. Um, and I, I love this mantra. You said it's been a mantra of yours really all your life. And then you eventually decided to write a book about it. But um, hungry, humble, hustle, you use those three words over and over and over Uh, you know, stay hungry, always be humble, always hustle. Can you tell us more about um, why you wrote that book? And then I want to go deeper on the actual words themselves. Can we lean into H3 leadership?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I love it. And it is my, it's my playbook, I guess. It's my framework. Um, It's my life sort of message. You know, you, sometimes when you're an author, you, you, um, you, you sort of have that one book that really describes like wherever you want to become a thought leader. And I put that in quotes, that, that one book that really describes what your life message is. And that is true for me. H3 is, you know, the kind of leader I want to be. And, and really Jordan, like the, the legs of the stool, if there's three legs on the stool that that you're building your, your leadership on those three legs have to be um, they have to be equal and they have to be, they have to be parallel. Like, right? right. You can't. So when I think of humble, hungry, hustle, in some ways, those mm-hmm. contradict each other. Now, they, they, it's true that you have to have all three of the buckets, but I know a lot of leaders, for example, that have tons of hustle, but no humility. And I know lots of leaders who have tons of humility, but don't have any hustle. They, they, it, they know it's not about them, but they don't get anything done. Or they know it's, or they, it is all about them, but they realize that, and they're, and they're crushing it, but nobody wants to be around them. Nobody wants mm-hmm. to work for them. Not, you know, like I only want to, be around you if I'm going to get something from you. So the balance of these is what's really important. And um, that's, you know, as you said, like it's been, for me, it's been a framework for 20 plus years uh, and all the years of, you know, leading catalysts and other things, the interns would sort of always ask the question at some point, Hey, how do I, how do I win here? And that was my answer was you, you live out the three H's. And so it was, it was a, it was a mindset before it was a book title, uh, it just happened to end up being a really good book title that looks really good on the, you know, on the on the book, on the book spinner at the airport. I mean, people people like, oh, I saw your, you know, humble, hungry hustle. And, uh, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know if I'm not going to be able to stay with the the F3 or the I3 <laughs> or the J3 or the K3. Right. It's just it's a one time three thing. Yeah, uh, I love H3. it. Yeah.
0: I love it, man. Okay, so here's where I want to start. It is edgy. It's catchy, but it's also real. And yeah. the one that stands out to me, like before I dug into the book, before I dug into your content, is the word hustle. Yeah. You know, I cuz I think like hungry, okay, people can relate, it's kind of wholesome, humble, it's wholesome, but hustle sometimes gets thrown around in in ways that maybe might make you cringe or maybe second guess Really? Is that is that supposed to be there? But you have this, you have this very interesting definition of, of hustle. And and I want you to unpack that for our listeners. Cause I love the way that you talk about the word hustle.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it's winning on others' behalf. You know, so the idea for hustle is that if you're helping others get ahead, if if mm-hmm. you're doing work that that benefits others, um, then I think that's the proper definition of hustle. It's also the the mindset that says. Um, there's a, there's a bigger story at play. when we think about, um, are we willing to do the hard work? So just when you think about like, am I, am I willing to, to have a standard and, and hard work? A lot of us think, okay, I get that Brad. Like it's redlining, right? Like it's, it's me being, being the, the, the one who stays the longest maybe, but it's also, are you, are you crushing it at rest? Are you crushing it at margin? Are you the best in the world at being generous? Are you the most collaborative and the most unifying? Like that, those are all pieces of hustle. So you got to get the other parts of hustle. We we get the hard work, and I'll redline it, and I'll outwork you, and I'll I'll stay longer, I'll show up earlier, I'll do the uh, you know I'll do more you know I'll do more practice and more sprints. But it's again, it's that question of is your holistic life actually? Um, Are you, are you hitting the mark in all the different areas? So this is, and this is where so many people, they short sight hustle because they think, well, again, isn't that, doesn't that mean that I'm like, I'm contradicting humility? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe because they are different muscles, but it has to come back to that. Again, I'm, my mindset is that I'm, I'm, I'm about others. It's what Maxwell says. He says, success is about you Significance is about others. So when I think of the proper hustler, it's, it's that I'm, I have a significance mindset. I'm I'm hustling in order to help other people get ahead. And, And my thing has always been, I want to build a platform with my life and my leadership and my work and all the things I'm doing. I want to build a platform that other people can then stand on. So when I was leading catalyst, like the mindset of even here's a big conference movement and, I don't want it to be about me. I'm not speaking. I'm, I'm the one behind the scenes. I'm stage, right. I'm behind the stage. I'm backstage. Not because I don't think I could deliver and actually be the content person, but I know that if I'm actually creating something that then allows other people to stand on it literally or figuratively, then I'm winning. And that's the ultimate, like, to me, that's the ultimate expression of power Yeah, is that, that my power now flows through other people. You know, the, the you've heard it said that the great leaders, their fruit grows on other people's trees. Yeah. So that's hustle. Like if it's all about you, then you are a, you know, you're a short-sighted hustler. But if it's all about others, that's when it gets fun.
0: Success is about you. Significance is about others. Uh, yep. Underscore, yep. underscore. Heavy note-taking right there. That's awesome. Anything you want to add? I, w- I want to go to Hungary, but before we go there, you sort of touched on humble. Anything else you want to add about humility or what you experience in other top notch leaders who, who have humility?
1: Well, the, the thing about humility is it's not, it's not all shucksing it, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, Oh, well, you know, I really don't belong. And, you know, I'm really not sure why I'm here. And like, that's fake, that's false humility. That's fake humility. Um, and, and the, the, to me that the, the opposite of the opposite of arrogance is actually not necessarily um, what we would consider to be humility, right? So if, if, if I think of what, what does a non-humble leader look like? Um, a lot of us will think immediately, we'll go, oh, that's that they're arrogant. Well, that's true. But I think the opposite or the antidote or the, the thing that, that, that always when we think of people who aren't humble, it's actually they're insecure. So if you think of people in your life who automatically like people are right now, they're like, Oh yeah, Brad, you're right. I can think of that leader who I've worked for or worked, worked for me or that I'm working for right now. The reason they've come across as arrogant or they lack humility many times is because they're insecure. So the more you get to know yourself, like the more content you are, this is why like self-discovery and self-awareness and, and, and um, the idea that you're authentic, you're, you have integrity, you're, you're, you're transparent. Those all lead to being secure as a Mm -hmm. leader, which Mm -hmm. makes you content, which then makes you confident. So the best leaders, when they walk in the room, they're not weak. They're just content. So they're not walking into that room and feeling like, okay, everybody here needs to know who I am. And I got to put my sandwich board on and I got to make sure that everybody's aware no, the best leaders they walk in and they're so secure in who they are that there's a confidence about them that is incredibly intoxicating. And that that's what humility is. It's so it, it has to come back to the more you get to know yourself as a leader, the the more humble you become. And so we got to get away from insecurity. That's that's mm. really the thing that's driving so much of a, what, I, what it feels like is an egotistical driven society, an arrogant society. It's so many people are just walking around going, man, I hope nobody figures out that I don't know what I'm doing or I'm really not that good or I've been faking it for so long.
0: Yeah, that, there, you said a lot right there. And there's a lot to unpack. We need to do an episode on just that, that topic of humility. And I remember Maxwell said this, and you might remember this from your time with John. He said, it's understanding where your giftedness comes from. And I know he had a mentor when he was young that pulled him aside and said, John, when they're praising you, you got to remember they're not praising you, they're praising the gift inside of you. Hmm. And what an awesome understanding of giftedness, but also just a expression of humility, right? Like we're never as good or as bad as we think we are. And oftentimes when we're receiving the the kudos or the praise, we got to remember that, man, people aren't praising us they're praising the gift inside of us. And that, and that gift was given to us and everyone chooses to steward that gift in a different way. But when I think about your definition of humility, that's what stands out to me, which is funny because it's a story from John who you obviously have um, spent so much time with. So let's transition to hungry. Um, and we've spent a little bit of time on this already, keeping an open mind. Again, I'm sort of cheating because I know your content, but for our listeners, yeah. when, you, when, when, when you describe this idea of staying hungry, what does that mean to Brad Laminate?
1: Well, it's that lifetime learner mindset. It's that I'm walking around literally and figuratively again with a moleskin or my phone out, or I'm just short of annoying as it relates to, you know, my, my intentionality around, around like writing something down. Um, it's that I never arrive. It's that I'm, I'm a lifetime learner. Um, I, you know, I may, I may be the, the person sitting at the top of Mount Everest in my industry, but I still walk around like I'm the hungry second. Uh, I'm not, you know, that that's, and, and the, the, the place this gets played out with so many leaders who I admire it's in their, it's in their question asking, Mm. which really comes from their curiosity, but it's, Mm. it's the question asking that allows them to, to not only learn, but also when you ask the question, you now are in control of the conversation and, so many of us as, as leaders and just in general in life, like we, we downplay the, the power of a good question in, in terms of both like setting the tone, but also like credibility building. Yes. So, you know, if I learned this when I was, a, again, a knucklehead in my early 20s working on a guest ranch in Colorado, and I was taking out people who were coming to this guest ranch uh, expecting a great vacation spending a lot of money. They, these are captains of industry, very successful people. And I'm going out, you know, on a two hour horseback ride, trying to figure out how do I like make their experience better? How do I, how do I show hospitality on the back of a horse over two hours? And I learned pretty quick that like the, the way I could, I could help them was actually to just be really curious and, and want to know about who they are and what they do. And, what makes them tick? And, and here's the great thing, Jordan. Like, I, I didn't know this. I just figured it out, is I got more job offers. <laughs> I mean, every week I would have people who are like, listen, I know you're like a wrangler of some sort. You ride horses. I don't know what your background is, but I want you to come work for me. And I'm like, okay, you're, you run, you know, Arthur Anderson, or you run Verizon, or, you know, you've got your own company that's private company that's worth $3 billion. I don't know anything about your industry and they didn't care because what they saw in me was they saw a young leader who was really curious and I knew the power of like question asking. So as a, as a hack, a shortcut for any young leader, you know, like if you want to build credibility with people you're around, the greatest shortcut to that is, is like the, is really, again, asking questions. Um, And it doesn't, you know, I don't think there is a bad question, you know, like, you st- people say, "Well, where do I start, Brad? Uh, start with, "Hey, tell me about yourself. hey, yeah. um, you know what what makes you come alive what What are your dreams? you know what keeps you up at night? Um, what are you most excited about in this season? you know what what are you uh, what what are, what are you proud of um, it, like just just throw them out there and i I don't know about you, but I'm that nerd that on a plane, you know I'm always trying to like Always trying to like figure out what's the good question to ask the person next to me. Yes. So I just, that, that, that is such an easy thing. It doesn't take smarts. It doesn't take know-how. It's just being intentional about, about the curiosity factor and that everybody around you is a classroom. Everybody you meet is an opportunity for you to get better.
0: Everyone around you is a classroom. I love that. And it's true that people, you know, they, their, their favorite topic is, is themselves. themselves. Right. And, And their favorite sound is their own name. And that's you just, just kind of true of of people. So you're right. Listen, I think. I'm, yeah. I,
1: I met um one of the great fundraisers of all time in the in the in the Christian ministry world. <clears throat> a guy named Peb Jackson, who is just a he's a he's a legend. You know, he raised billions of dollars for different organizations and ministries, and and his whole mindset as a sales as a business development officer. You know, bringing in resources and revenue and funds. To, to, um, to grow the organizations he was connected to. His whole mindset was just, listen, if I get interested in what they're interested in, all the rest of it takes care of itself. Okay. And so his, his, his posture was, listen, every one of these people that I'm like now connected to, um, th- to, you know, to try to help them see that their donor dollars should go towards our ministry, Um, The best way for me to actually connect them to our ministry was for me to connect to what they're doing and what they're interested in. So if it's sailboating, you know, or if it's it's fishing, or if it's traveling, or if it's stocks, like, so the the mindset for him was not, I got to know my product way better than everybody else so I can tell them about my product. It was, I know my product, but I've got to learn what they're interested in. And if I get interested in what they're interested in, then that all that stuff takes care of itself. And, you know, great salespeople know this, this is, this is not rocket science. Um, But I think relationally for leaders, when you, even when you think about like, how do you connect with somebody on your team to the point where they want to stay around and be in your culture. And they're going to say when that job offer comes, no, I'm staying here. What is it? What is it that makes your culture unique? It's that, there's a, there's just a posture that says we care about you. We're for you. We actually care about the things that you care about. So this, this is not just like a a, a one-on-one thing. It's actually like how great cultures are built.
0: Yeah. So true. And you, you called it, you said it's easy earlier, but I I think unfortunately what's common sense is not always common practice, you know? And so the application of that, right. The repetition of that, the, the eagerness of that, it becomes really important. And, and it's giving too, right? The word the word sell, I think actually comes from the old English word salon, which means to give. And mm-hmm. what you said, Brad, is so important for a lot of young leaders and young salespeople or emerging leaders, because I think so often we we believe that I, I've got to have something to give or, you know, I, I've got to have something to offer. And you don't, right? Like your attention, your empathy, your support, your questions, it all counts. You're, you're giving, through, you know, those avenues. So, um, man, I appreciated what you said there. You helped some people big time um, and their desire to lead and support, sell, and give. Um, all right. This is, this is the heavy note-taking. Here it comes. This is my favorite part of, you know, of all the things that you talk about. This is where um, I, have, I have the most notes and I got a lot of notes on Brad Lominick and we're not going to get to most of the stuff that I want to get to today. But, but this is good. You talk about identity, calling, and assignment. And, um, if there was one piece that I could focus on, if I only had five minutes with Brad Lominick, I would choose to focus on this. So that's me. Uh, maybe that's not you, but I want you to lean into identity, calling assignment and unpack that for our listeners.
1: Well, let me start with, with you putting you on the spot. So <laughs> what, are, what yeah. how would you, how would you define each of those areas?
0: Okay. So my identity is, is who I am. Right. And so I'm Jordan. And you know Munkham, that, right? you
1: know, the answer to the test already.
0: I know, I know the answers. <laughs> so so um, tell me,
1: tell me what that is, Jordan. Like when you say who you are, like get, like break yeah, that down.
0: They're the things that don't change, right. They're the things that are never changing. So I'm Jordan Montgomery. I'm a son of J and Jane Montgomery. I'm married to Ashley. I'm a husband. I'm a father. Um, I would say I'm a, I'm a believer. These are things that are unchanging. It's who I am. It's my character, my identity, who, who I am, right. The things that are yep. not changing. And then, um, you know, I think about calling uh, it's uh, is it what I'm doing? Right. No, calling assignments, what I'm doing. Yep. Uh, Okay. So, and, and help help me out. Calling is calling is, is why you're here. Why you're here. Calling's why you're here. So the the reason that I'm here is I believe uh, to serve others. Yep. Uh, I believe it's to build leaders. I believe it's to inspire people. And I believe it's to share the the love of Christ. I I think that, that I believe is my calling. Now I could be wrong about that. That's no, all right.
1: Listen, that it is so the why the why statement the purpose on your life, um, and you said to serve to build, uh, to to I think to lead and then like share Christ. That, yep. Those, yep. Those four. Yep. Okay. Yeah. If and I then was to
0: condense it, I'd say those things.
1: Yep. And then and then and then assignment, which is the what you do. What, what I would do. You say your what would you say your current assignment is?
0: Yeah. I would say I'm a communicator, connector, and encourager. Okay, that's my assignment.
1: So, so good. Now let's 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 unpack yours. Let's 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 uh, let's do some hard work on on your I didn't know this is yet. where we were going. I, oh, I thought I was I love getting it. off easy. <laughs> no, I love I love it. And and you're right. Like when you think about these three buckets, identity is who you are. It, it's the it's the foundational piece that's usually the easiest to answer. So, uh, like. And and to add to your, to your answer, I would say like core values usually are in the identity bucket. Um, So if you said, you know, I want to be a man of integrity, uh, that's a, that's a, that's an identity piece. It's something that's not going to change. Right. So now here's, here's what's, here's, here's what's always interesting. Like when I ask people, okay, talk about your faith. So your faith is an identity element, but you actually put some of the faith into the, the calling bucket too, because you said like sharing Christ. Okay, I can go with that. Now, when somebody says, well, Brad, like um, my calling, so let's go back to calling, which is the why, the why you're here. If somebody says my calling is to know God and to make him known. Okay, great. I like that answer, but I would argue potentially that that's identity because, because that calling for you if you say to know God and to make him known, it's also true for me. It's, it's, it's something that is not specific to you. And the thing with identity calling and assignment is you always want to make it specific to you. So I agree that like share Christ as an example in your, in your calling bucket, I would say, yes, but that's probably an identity piece. Um, And, and some people argue, well, is, 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 is there a spiritual calling and also a vocational calling? Probably. Um, but I, when I think of calling in this framework, the, why you're here, I'm, I'm trying to answer the question, what is specific to Jordan? Uh, related to gifts, gifts and passions that God has given you specifically. Mm. So um, I'll give you mine, you know, like we don't need to go into identity pieces, but that's, that's the who, the the calling for me, the why I'm here, is that the inf, to influence the influencers. That that's the short version. If the long version for me is influence influencers <clears throat> through um, gathering, re, uh, gathering, curating, releasing, and equipping kingdom change agents to be to have a positive impact on the world for Jesus. Like so, that's the that's the extended sort of calling statement. Um, when I think of assignment, though which is what I do, that's actually very specific. So I've had four, five seasons of assignment in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I worked on a guest ranch. Um, I was in a consulting practice. I was a management consultant. I worked for John Maxwell, ran, ran the Catalyst Movement. Um, now I'm a you know advisor. So th- these are different seasons of assignment. Jobs, jobs are usually what, what makes an assignment. So for your for your answer, <laughs> you said you're a, key, a connector. What the
0: encourager, a connector, communicator, encourager.
1: And I w- I would say that's actually more calling for you. Okay, that, that's more in your calling bucket because that's that it, it does answer the what, but it also is really it also gets into the why. Um, mm. Because when when I, when you when I think of assignment, it's what are you specifically doing in this season that is vocational. Um, occupation. Mm. So you, I mean, it's, it is true. You are a communicator and you're an encourager, uh, but it's, it's some, most of the time assignment connects to what do I get paid to do? um, What are the things that, again, I I consider my job. So um, that's why I would say advisor for me is the season of assignment that I currently uh, am in. And I have different organizations I advise, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of my business. Right. So, um, but you, you, you gave really good answers. Um, that, that again, the tweaks here, here's where the, here's where the challenge comes for a lot of people. A lot of people will, they'll have identity calling an assignment, the same answer. So (laughs) think of the professional football player. Yeah. You know, the, the, the guy that's been in the NFL for seven or eight years, Hey, uh, tell me about who you are. Well, I'm a football player playing the NFL been playing football forever. Tell me about why you think you're here. Well, I'm here to play football. Uh, tell me about what you do. Well, I play football. Right. And nothing wrong with that answer, but here's what, ha- what happens when you're now that season's done. Mm. The correct answer was that was an assignment. It actually wasn't even a calling and it wasn't definitely wasn't your identity. Mm. So when you walk away from that season, now you're having a re- you're having to rethink calling. You're having a calling crisis you know, you're having an identity crisis um, compared to, oh, I know who I am and I know why I'm here and it's bigger than football for this season of assignment. I'm supposed to be playing football, but I know that's, that's a chapter in the story. It's not the full book. It's just a chapter. And, and this is, this is why like, we have to teach college students this. I think high school students should learn this, this mindset because, you know, the average 20 something is going to have, potentially 15 to 18, maybe more different seasons of assignment because we're in a free agent sort of generation, project generation, gig economy. And if we don't get this right, if we don't have like that calling, the why you're here piece that connects the dots, then you're going to just see a lot of people jumping from thing to thing, sort of like schizophrenic. And
0: Mm -hmm. they're following like Mm -hmm.
1: money or they're following fame or they're following, you know, whatever else. And again, nothing wrong with those things, but the calling framework, the calling piece, the why statement is the part that now gives me riverbanks to actually like swim in. And if you, if you're missing that piece, then it's hard to sometimes connect the dots of, well, why did I, you know, what was that season about? What was that season of of assignment about? And when, when these things start connecting back together, that's, that's again, when we start to see the story unfolding uh, so I'll stop there and let you respond or, or you know. Opine. Yeah, I, I,
0: well, I, and I think part of the reason it, it touched me or resonated with me, and clearly we needed to go a little bit deeper, but I think in, a, in an early stage in my life, and I think most people have this experience, at least on some level, is you tie assignment to identity or you get those things confused. I had those yes. things. For me, it was way too integrated. and I. So when you said that, I went, oh, man, when I was 27 years old, I thought my assignment was my identity. It, it it was all wrapped up together. And for me, it was all about success and achievement. It was about my professional identity as a business leader. And when that was taken away, yep. it hurt so much more than it really should have because my entire identity and where I was finding my joy and my purpose was wrapped up in in that thing. So anyway, that that was personal for me. And it it, it that really touched me. Um
1: and the calling my, the, the calling and assignment is for many of us, that's where. Um, we, we, we end up putting, putting assignment, a job of voc- a current season vocation into the calling bucket incorrectly. Uh, yes. So again, think, think of, you know, think of the person who, who is now going to change industries, right? I mean, with yeah. a new, with a new job, like you've got to have something that is above those different jobs as a, as a statement or a, a framework, uh, again, riverbanks that give you now like the, they, they give you validation. It's like, it's like, you're now, you now have permission to, to move from thing to thing. And not again, not that we're trying to like be jumpers and, and change jobs, but when we start to see then the connection points, mm. then, then the, the, like God's will, like, that's the thing. So many of us are, are wrestling with. It's like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Well, now we're starting to see it yeah. and there's not one answer. That's the other piece to this. It, you know, it, like the, there's different assignments that you could have that actually can can reflect and appropriately give evidence to your calling, which then expresses your true identity. So that, there's a lot of confusion, um, especially in the church or in the Christian circles. Because, mm. again, so many of us would think, well, the real ultimate true calling would be to, like, you know, know God and make Him known or, uh, you know, share Christ or uh, to build God's kingdom. Yes, I Yes. But it's, that's true for me too. So I put all that back in identity. That's an identity piece. That's not like, that's not my calling. I mean, it, it, it it should be reflected in my calling, but it's, it's not like the thing that, that, that now I'm supposed to go do necessarily. We're all supposed to do that. It's not specific to me.
0: That's good. That's great. Well, deep, deeper discussion. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to spend a little more time with you in San Diego next month. So maybe maybe we can go deeper there. We'll Um, we'll talk about it. That's great. It's really good stuff, man. It it makes you think. Um, So I got two more questions, kind of maybe two and a half. Uh, The the one, um, we got some younger leaders just while we're still in that space of calling, assignment, identity. We got some younger leaders. Here's the question they're asking is, Brad, if I want to grow in my influence, you know, I'm kind of trying to lead up. You talk about this idea of leading up. What do I do practically? Like what are the steps that I take to grow In my influence?
1: Well, I would start with this. Um, Whoever whoever you're trying to influence. So let's just start with your boss or your manager or your direct report or, you know, that's a good place to start. Not everybody has one, but let's assume that most of you do. If you make them better, you're now influencing up. And when I say make them better, like fill in the blank with all kinds of things it could be that that you say to them hey um, i i know there's some things that like are on your plate that actually i could 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 do for you and i'll do them better and i know you don't like to do them anyway like that's just one really practical example to be able to walk in and say that to your to the person you work for um, the other thing is is you you start to you start to anticipate um, what needs to be done before it before they have to tell you, you you become really easy to lead. So you're you're thinking, how do I make it so easy for my boss to lead me and mm-hmm. manage me? Which here's what is not making it easy, which is when you walk in and go, hey, I'm kind of bored. Um, you got anything for me to work on? That you just added more stuff to you, your boss's plate That's compared right. to compared to you walk in and say, Hey, I noticed. I've been watching, I've been taking notes and I went ahead and took care of that. Is that okay? Those are two different mindsets. So it really is just about like leading up means that you're, you've got the eyes and the ears and the heart and the soul of your leader. And you assume the best with them. You don't assume the worst. They're not thinking about you all the time. That's the other thing. Like so many of us, we, 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 we get so like caught up in, Oh, they're trying to make my life miserable. No, they're not. They actually just, they probably don't think about you at all. That's the reality. And that's okay. So reality is, is that you have to be thinking about them. Yes. And how do you, how do you make them better? That's like, we, we have to assume that that they want that from us. Cause I, every, even a bad boss can say yes to that. Right. So I would, I would just say that that's a great place to start. Um, you know, you probably have dreams. You probably think you can do their job better than they can. You, you want to fast forward, you want to jump, you know, seven layers up and you think you should be running the company. Awesome. I mean, you might at some point, but right now, like crush that assignment that you're in. I mean, be the best. This is, I mean, Davo Swinney, you know, at Clemson, like he's, he's always talking about like bloom where you're planted, you know, where your feet are is where you need to be. And, yeah. If you're the if you're the graduate assistant who's getting coffee, be the best freaking coffee grabber that <laughs> the graduate assistant world has ever seen, right?
0: Yeah, hey, so to summarize, um I'm mean, I'm gonna say it this way. I think this came from Craig Rochelle. He said, "Lighten your leader's load." Lighten your leader's you load. Go. Take initiative, jump in, just do it. Don't ask the question, do it. And maybe it's maybe it's your buddy Andy Stanley. I think he says, you know, if you're willing to do what others won't do, you'll eventually have influence. That others, others don't have. have. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and that's what you're talking about, right? So, okay, final question because I know we have a hard stop at the top of the hour. Brad Lominick's a busy guy with things to do outside of talking, you know, talk to me. Um, David Nurse refers to you this way, and and, and I've seen this, I've i just watched this play out in your world and studying you and preparing for our time together. You're you're super connected, uh, but like in a real way, you've got a lot of authentic, real friendships, and so. You know, again, I, I would love it, Brad, if you'd pull us behind the curtain, because I think the, the tendency is to say, well, I, I add value. I'm others focused. And I, I know those things are true of how you operate, and who you are. But if you could give young leaders a practical tip for connecting with others, like maybe what's like one thing that you do or two things that you do that other people could replicate, simple, easy, like where could they start in really getting connected and building uh, a network?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I'll, I'll just give one thing because I, I mean, there's so many thoughts I have around this. I mean, I, th- I, I feel like, j- by the way, the connector versus the networker. That's yeah, a really come on. Talk about that.
0: There we go. Talk about that.
1: Well, the networker is, is that person and we, we, you know, organizations will remain nameless, but that the, they, they hotbox you at the bookstore or somewhere and they're transactional. So, yeah. networkers are transactional. They're, they're trying to get something from you. Um, connectors are relational. They're trying to build equity into you. You know, the, the, connector, the connector sees a bigger story. They, the connector understands that if I connect you, Jordan, with David, then I win because you guys, there's going to be something that happens between the two of you mm. that is going to be bigger than what, you know, was happening before. And so, it's connectors are always thinking, how do I add so much more value that is going to go beyond me? And it's not about me. Where again, a networker yeah. is, is trying to get the the, the short term thing. Their, 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 their mindset is, you know, I only have one shot. That's another thing about, about yeah. like building a network is, you know, your, your, your mindset is that you have, when, when you're a connector, you're thinking, you're thinking long-term, you're thinking long play. So that meeting that you have with the person that you really admire um, that you've always wanted to have 30 minutes with you spend all 30 minutes peppering them with questions, making it about them. They're the center of the story. They're the hero. And at the end they go, Oh my gosh, like that, you know, the assistant comes in and they're like, Oh, give us five more minutes. And then yes, the assistant comes yes. back and they're like, give us five more minutes. And then they <laughs> yes. finally go, I got I got a hard stop. And, And and they say to you, I haven't heard anything about you. And you say, we'll, we'll cover that next time. Right. That that's the value of the, being the connector compared to the networker who says I got 30 minutes and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely wear you out with my agenda. That's that's short-sighted. So yeah. Yeah. I I I mean, it really, it really does. It's huge to think about the, the networker versus the connector, and at the end of the day, like, again, um, when, when you think if you're young and you're thinking about how do I just build into people, um, what is the thing that is going to, that's going to add value in their world mm. that they're going to walk away and say, you actually made me better today. So th- that's the question I'm always asking still to this day is how do I make that person not like me. That's the wrong way to approach it. I'm not trying to get them to like me. Right. I'm just trying to say, how do I make it where I added value to them and I'm just going to make a lot of deposits. Yeah. And at some point that will that that will benefit. There'll be mutual benefit. Uh you know, there, there'll be an exchange of mutual benefit. Um, but I'm taking the long-term approach on that one compared to the short term.
0: So good. So good. Well, we covered a lot of ground today, man, in a short period of time. And I've still got uh, tons of questions that we didn't get to. I'm going to uh, hopefully get the chance to hang out with you uh, and ask you some more questions. But again, man, I, I want to add value to your world, Brad. You've added a ton of value to mine already, um, both from now near and afar. Uh, shout out again to David Nurse for getting us connected. Um, as we yeah, land exactly. this plane in and, and the last couple of minutes here, where, where can people find you, uh, Brad? If, if they want to reach out to you, connect with to you, how, how do they get in touch?
1: Listen. Here's my, here's my uh, recommendation is start listening to my podcast. It's free. So that's an easy, that's an easy place to start. H3 leadership podcast. Um, I think it's one of the things that I do best. So I would start there. H3leadership.com. I mean, you can follow me on social media. I'm not a very good follow. Um, but I think the podcast is a great place to, to start. Cause I, I just love that. I, I get to curate. I'm, that's what I'm doing. Curating the best for leaders to stay in the know.
0: Well, you are truly an influencer of influencers. You're a leader of leaders. Uh, I now get to call you a friend and somebody that I admire. And uh, absolutely. Um, I'm going to object to that. I think you're a great social media follow. Go follow Brad um, on social media channels. Check out H3 Leadership Podcast. Um, and, and man, I just uh, thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Thanks for Spending time with our community for pouring into me. Um, I got to hang out with you in San Diego next month. I can't wait uh, be fun. to be there. Boots on the ground. Um, yeah, man. Thank you again, Brad, for the time today. Really appreciate you.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully there was one thing in there. Everybody's taking away one thing. That's the goal. Well,
0: there, there was um, seven things, and we got to find out a way to do this again. I, I don't know. I'm going to rope you into more stuff that we're doing. At least I'm going to try. because. Uh, on. I know we're going to get better hanging out together. So thanks for being you, Brad. Thank you, man, for joining the uh, Montgomery Companies podcast. You're a gem. Appreciate you. I loved it. Thanks, Jordan. This has been another episode of the Montgomery Companies podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Montgomery. And we want to say thanks again to our guest, Brad Lomenick, for sharing your words of wisdom, your time, and your incredible story with our audience. I want to also say thank you to James Roth and John Choate, our producers behind the scenes that make this show go. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would like, share, or subscribe to this podcast in an effort that we might move our mission of impacting more people forward. Be well, be great. Have an amazing day.